Speak to us now, O oh Lord, we pray. Speak to our souls today. But this is why we've come, dear Lord. We're ready for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Heaven and earth will pass. But God, your word will forever last. We stand ready for your word. Father, we pray now that everything that we do and say will be pleasing in your sight. We'll bring glory and honor to you that your people might be helped. Allow your word to go forth clearly and to be heard even more clearly so that people may hear from you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we move into the holiday season, the Holy Spirit reminded me that all holidays don't bring happiness to everybody. For somebody, there's already some stress in the preparation, the planning of what's going on over these holiday weeks. Whose house are we going to? Who's invited? Who's not invited? If we go, how long are we staying? What's our plan? What's our strategy? One day, two days, two and a half days, hotel, no hotel. And at the end of the day, most of us go into the holiday season wanting peace. Let me go and stay long enough to have a good time, but not long enough for that person to get on my nerves, because we already know. Let me go and have fun while they're sober, because you know once they start drinking, it's going to be a problem. Come on, look at somebody and tell them that's real talk, real talk. And there's an emotion that if you're not careful will get the best of you. There's an emotion that will take you to a place that you really don't need to go, not just for your sake, but for the kingdom's sake. Let me see if I can give you some images to remind you of this emotion. And let me say if there's any of your faces that show up on the screen. The names have been changed to protect the guilty. Come on, Master Control. Yeah, next. He's swinging a mean cane there, boy. Next. Now, I want y'all to notice something. This brother is in serious trouble. You see that smirk on his face? Like, he got a smile. Like, don't make me. Mm -mm. Next. No, no, nobody's listening at that point. Look at this last one. Now, you know that's the look for real, right? Come on, brother. Some of y'all have seen that look. You're like, what? What? What's wrong? What did I, what? Say something. Like, mm-mm. My face says it all. No matter what race, no matter what age, no matter what educational level that you have achieved or socioeconomic status that you find yourself at, every one of us has had to deal with anger. Either you have been angry or somebody has been angry at you. And typically when, when people are angry, uh, 
it, it's, it's usually out of a misunderstanding. Typically, it's, it's misapplied, but, but anger many times is self-serving. Uh, today, I want to start delving into this subject matter, and I got to tell you, it's, this was really not my, my choice. I mean, God just put this on me because the Holy Spirit said to me that somebody in here today, your anger is out of control. You manage it well for an hour and a half on Sunday. I don't know if your family's been praying. I don't know if your co-workers have been praying. I, I don't know if your friends have been praying, but somebody's been praying that you would get the message how to deal with your anger. And that's what I want to talk about today, how to deal with your own anger. Now, I want you to circle that phrase, your own anger. Because, you know, typically we are experts in dealing with somebody else's anger, right? When somebody else gets mad, we're like, oh, calm down. Have you prayed about it? Let God have it, right? We're experts on helping other people deal with their own anger. But when it comes to managing and controlling our anger personally, we fail the test. As a matter of fact, it is said that that very few of us have ever been taught how to deal with our anger. Most of the times, people take one of two routes. Uh, and the two animals that's used to describe how we deal with our anger is the turtle or the skunk. Right? Some of us are like the turtle. When we get angry, we pull into a shell and we shut down. Others of us are like the skunk. We don't shut down. We blow up. And we're going to make sure everybody in the general vicinity knows that we are upset. If you've ever taken notes on a sermon, or maybe you never have, I, I pray today you take some notes. I pray today you take some notes. Because let me tell you something about dealing with your anger. The time to prepare to deal with your anger is not when you're angry. By the time you get angry, it's too late. The time to deal with your anger is before you get angry. It's you being able to identify the causes of your anger and figuring out a way to manage your emotions so those primary emotions don't manifest themselves in the secondary emotion of anger. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? If you need an outline, raise your hand. For those of you who are streaming with us, you can go to the I Am Hope app, download the app, and you can find at the Sunday tab the fill-in-the-blank notes, and you can fill them in on your smart device. Here's the first thing I want us to look at today. Number one, you need to understand what anger is. You need to understand what anger is. The first place this idea of anger shows up in the Bible is Genesis chapter 4. In Genesis chapter 4, we see the story playing out between Cain and Abel. Verse 3 says, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, 
but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. What is anger? Anger is defined in many ways, but let me just give you a simple definition. It's a negative reaction to a displeasing situation or event. Anger is a negative reaction to a displeasing situation or event. It's interesting when you look at the words angry and anger in the Old Testament and New Testament, they have the same connotation, and we see it played out even in our English language usage of the word anger. The word there in Genesis chapter 4 for angry means to glow or grow warm, to blaze up, or to be displeased. You ever heard anybody say, man, they got me hot, or they ran me hot? Right? It, it, it's literally a definition that describes how a person feels when their muscles start twitching and their, and their face starts getting overheated and hot. And they start turning red or purple depending on their normal hue or tone. James chapter 1 verse 19 and 20 says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Again, there that word anger refers to a violent passion or desire. Uh, typically and implied in this word are ideas of punishment, indignation, vengeance, or wrath. This word has such negative connotations that James says the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, I want you to write this down somewhere. Anger is a secondary emotion. Most of you look at anger as a primary emotion and think you need to deal with the anger when the anger is nothing more than the symptom that is coming out of a root cause. And the reason that's important is because if you continue to try to treat the symptom and never address the root, you will never come to the true cause of your anger. Think of who makes you angry. Think of what makes you angry. Hopefully, it's not the person sitting next to you right now. But if by chance it is, if by chance they are here, I submit to you that your angry response to what they do or what they say is a secondary emotion. That's really not the root of why you're angry, which leads me to the second thing. Number two, you need to identify why you get angry. You need to identify why you get angry. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. I know why I get angry, because they get on my nerves. I know why they get angry, 
because they won't do what I ask them to do. How many times I got to tell them to clean up? How many times I got to tell them to leave a seat down? How many times? You retarded? What's wrong with you? You already know it gets on my nerves. Why, why we got to keep on going through it? How long we been married? How long we been together? How long we been dealing with this? And, and, and God says, you're focusing on the symptom, but you don't understand the cause. There are three primary emotions that typically serve as the foundation, the fodder, the fuel for the secondary emotion of anger. Look at A, hurt. Hurt. Much of your anger is rooted in hurt. Whether it's physical hurt, emotional hurt, spiritual hurt, the natural human response to hurt is anger, especially when you think it was done intentionally. Now, on the physical side, it's real simple to see. I'm hammering a nail, and I hit my thumb with the nail. I throw the hammer. I'm mad at the hammer for hitting my nail when the hammer had nothing to do with it except it was just an instrument used by a faulty swinging person, right? Those of you who play golf, you've seen people get mad at the golf club, throw the golf club in the water, break the golf club over their leg. Baseball players strike out, they break the bat like the bat has a hole in it. Not the bat's fault, it's not the club's fault, right? But I project my anger on that instrument. Listen, you may not be projecting your anger on an instrument, but you are projecting your anger on a person, person who hurt you. Job got angry with God. Job got angry because he felt like he was being treated unjustly by God, and he could not get an explanation from God. Now, remember, this is the same Job that God said to the devil, have you checked out my servant Job? I mean, he was boasting and bragging on Job, but obviously Job was not privileged to that heavenly conversation. All Job saw was the torment and the tests that came his way. Look at Job 15, verses 12 and 13. Your heart has carried you away from God. Your eyes flash with anger. You speak out your anger against God, and these words pour out of your mouth. And many times when you're hurt, that hurt is the foundation for your anger. But look at B. B, fear. We're talking about primary emotions that lead to the secondary emotion of anger. Fear. When I am fearful, I get on the path. When that fear goes unchecked and unresolved, it puts you on the path to anger. 
Fear is present not only when you feel threatened or when you feel trapped or when you've been attacked or when you are afraid. It also manifests itself when you're afraid of how something may or may not turn out. And if I am afraid and you keep me in that position, eventually that fear will manifest itself in anger. You play too much. Stop playing. I said stop playing. You're always trying to scare something. Stop playing. Or if a situation and circumstance comes up that I don't want to face, but I am being forced to face it, or you threaten me, you threaten that you're going to leave me, or you threaten me that I can't do as good without you, if I'm not careful, that hurt will turn into anger. And I will try to retaliate out of my anger. Look at Jonah. Jonah was afraid. Now, you know what Jonah was afraid of? He wasn't afraid that God would hurt him. He was afraid that God would do what God could do. He was afraid that God was going to show mercy to the Ninevites and Jonah did not want the Ninevites to receive the mercy of God. And so when God said, go preach to the Ninevites, and he knew that if he went to the Ninevites and preached, that God would have mercy on them, God said, go east. Jonah said, I'm going west. God says, go south. Jonah says, I'm going north. I'm going in the opposite direction, God. Because my fear is you will do what I know you can do. And he prayed, verse 2, Jonah 4, to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? I want you to underline that last phrase and ask yourself, before you go off, before you give people a piece of your mind which you can afford to lose, ask yourself, do you do well to be angry? Here's the third one. I told you, hurt. Fear, see, frustration. Frustration. When you are at a place of elevated and extended frustration, you put yourself in the position to become and remain angry. Frustration occurs when things are out of your control and you cannot get the results you want. And no matter how hard you try, you keep trying, especially when you are trying to do what's right and what's good and it cannot happen and the person doesn't seem to care and you get frustrated, anger will soon come behind it. Nothing is working, no matter how hard I try. I'm irritated. I'm upset frustrated. Sometimes our anger will just burst out and you almost have to apologize to somebody because 
Watch this. Your anger comes out towards somebody else who's really not the source of your frustration. Right? But they become the object of your frustration. And then you have to say, it's really not you. These folk over here getting on my last nerve. I'm I'm sorry. Because I shouldn't have taken it out on you. Jeremiah grew angry with God because of his persecution and the lack of response to his preaching. Jeremiah was frustrated. Look at verse 18, Jeremiah 15. I don't understand why my pain has no end. I don't understand why my injury is not cured or healed. Will you be like a brook that grows and goes dry? Will you be like a spring that stops flowing? Man, it's easy to get frustrated when things are not going your way. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about the person that gets on your last nerves. I want you to think about the person that can take you to a place of anger quicker than anybody else can take you. And I want you to identify which one of those three areas are they really hitting you in. Do they make you angry because what they're doing hurts you? What they're doing causes you fear or what they're doing causes you frustration? And watch this. They may not ever respond to your anger, but you might be able to diffuse the anger if they understand how hurtful they've been. Do they cause fear or do they cause frustration? Here's the third and final thing. Number three, you must examine yourself and take responsibility for your anger. You must examine yourself and take responsibility for your anger. Everybody say responsibility. Responsibility. Now, for most of us, here's the problem. We think our anger is about what somebody else does. So we blame other people for our anger. If you would stop doing or stop acting like, I wouldn't be angry. Why are you tripping? Why are you going off? It's because of what you did. It's because of what you said. It's because of how you acted wrong. Anger isn't about what somebody else does. It's about how you respond to what somebody else has done. Some of you stay in a place of anger because you think the world revolves around you. And it's not about you. You think everybody in the home has to revolve around you, and it's not about you alone. You want everybody else to adjust to you. And the world has no obligation to adjust to you. And if you are married, if you are in a family, it's about you adjusting to one another. Now, some of y'all will say amen to that when you think about the person who needs to stop expecting the world to revolve around them. 
when in actuality, you're the one who's thinking the world needs to revolve around you. Y'all looking at me, I'm like, I tell him, Pastor, that's right. Ooh, I need to get a copy of this because he ain't here. He needs to hear it. No, you need to hear it. See, when you get angry at anyone because of what they've done or what they have said, when you lose your temper or store the anger within your spirit and you become resentful and hostile, you need to understand you have to take responsibility for that. So look at A. Examine your attitude. How does your thinking help you justify your anger and your negative thoughts. See, there's there's a correlation between what you believe and how you behave, how you behave, and what you become. And if you believe bad, you're going to behave bad. And if you keep behaving bad, you're going to become bad. Right? So let's go back to what you believe. Examine your attitude. Some of y'all have been angry so long, you think that's a part of your name. <laughs> part of your spirit. I knew a guy named Lion John. Now, his, his birth name wasn't Lion. That wasn't his government name, but everybody called Lion John because he just lied all the time. <laughs> he was one of those folks that just lied for no reason, like he didn't have to lie. Why are you lying, man? Just stop lying. You know, sun's shining. No, it's not. It's cloudy. Man, sun is shining, man. Hey, you lie so much, boy. Why are you lying all the time? Nobody should be thinking about you as angry Mary or, or angry Sue or angry Bill or, 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 or angry Ron or, or angry John or angry DZ. That, that shouldn't be their thought about you. But it becomes how you are defined. And for you, the adjective becomes a noun. Because you always on 10. You, all, you always on 100. You always, you just angry. Why? Why are you angry all the time? But watch this. You don't only need to examine your attitude. You got to examine your actions. You got to examine your actions. Watch this. God says in verse 6, Genesis chapter 4, why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain, why do you look so dejected? Because it was all on Cain. It was all on Cain. Abel hadn't done anything to Cain. It was all on Cain. And then look at B. You will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. Can, can I tell you what anger does? Anger is at the door to sin. And anger will open the door to sin and watch this. Make excuses for and justify your sin and blame the person who made you angry when in actuality you should blame the person who is in control of your anger and that's you. See, when you have those outbursts of temper, 
when you start cussing and fussing, when you do harm to people or you think about doing harm to people, God, God says, that's not their fault. That's your fault. You go off. And somebody eventually says, I thought they went to church. I thought she was a Christian. <laughs> oh, oh, you know what's worse? When, when a young child or your grandchildren check you. Mama, you ain't supposed to talk like that. You ain't supposed to use that kind of language. That's a bad word. You're right, baby, but you know they get on my mom's nerves. <laughs> right? Because you're going to blame the other person. You're not going to take responsibility to check yourself, to check your attitude and check your actions. Let's read Proverbs 29, verse 11 together. A fool gives full vent to anger, but the wise quietly holds it back. So are you walking like a fool or are you walking like the wise? Because here's the thing. God says the choice is yours. It's not about what somebody else does. It's how you choose to respond that determines whether you are a fool or wise. Anger is a secondary emotion. So this week, I want you to start looking at those things, those situations, those circumstances, those people that make you angry. And I want you to ask yourself, when you get down to it, is it hurt? Is it fear? Or is it frustration? Because if you can diffuse the cause, you can limit and lessen the anger that's displayed in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray now as we continue our look at this subject matter of dealing with our own anger, that you would not only help us, but help us to be able to help somebody else. Song said, it's not my mother, it's not my father, but it's me, O oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. God, we cannot export what we have not imported. We cannot give to others what we have not given or taken ourselves. And so my prayer is today, God, that you would bless as only you can. So that in hearing from you, we would walk in the path of power, not weakness, that we would walk in a path of favor and blessings, not failure. So that God, when people come at us the wrong way, instead of reacting in our flesh, we would respond in your spirit. Where our prayers fall short, make up the differences. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Everyone who can, everyone who will, if you stand on your feet wherever you are. If you're here today and you've never asked the Lord into your life, I want to give you an opportunity today to say yes to God. If you're here today and you're looking for a church home and you believe this is where God wants you to be,
we extend you an invitation and opportunity to say yes to the Lord. The wonderful thing about God is he loves you right where you are, but he doesn't want to leave you there. He wants to make something beautiful out of your life if you will allow him. And so if you're here today, we extend to you an opportunity. The men and women who are standing up front and all around would love to show you privately how to have a real relationship with God. It's not about rituals, routines, or religion. It's about you experiencing a relationship with the God who loves you so much. He loves you where you are, but he loves you so much he doesn't want to leave you there. He wants to make something beautiful out of your life. Why don't you say yes today as the song of invitation is sung? Come on and say yes today. Upstairs or down, to my left or to my right, come on and come. Jesus is waiting. Jesus is waiting on you. Give him your life. Give him your today. life. and thank God for the one who has come extend your hands father we thank you and bless you for our sister for all who will respond to this call and we pray now God and we ask in the name of Jesus that you would bless her help her to move from where she is to where you ultimately want her to be help her to examine herself both her attitude and her actions and take responsibility to make the shifts and changes she needs to make in order to fulfill her potential in you. We ask you to bless as only you can to do what only you can do. And we'll give you the glory that only belongs to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Good hope it's time for the offering. Amen. I asked you last week to do something when it comes to your giving, and that's to pray and ask God to lead you and guide you in terms of your giving. 
Um, one of the things that I know and I hope that you know, and that is that giving is an act of worship. And when we give to God, we're literally saying to God, God, this is how much I love you. This is how much I think about how you have blessed me. Uh, I would often pray when it was time for the giving and say, may our giving ac accurately reflect our love for you. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. That's what the Lord said. And then I realized that I really was, was praying something amiss because I would say, may our giving accurately reflect our love for you. And the truth is, our giving does accurately reflect our love for God. The question is just how much do you love God? Uh, you go to a restaurant, uh, most of us are going to tip 15%. That's kind of the new standard now. And if you get really bad service, you're going to tip less than that. If at all, depending on how bad the service is, right? I've, I've been to restaurants that service was horrible, and I, I gave them a tip. And that was to change the waiter or fire the waiter and get, get somebody in and get better service, right? Um, I shouldn't have to get up and go get my own salt and pepper, you know, my own water, and, you know, that's what you're supposed to be doing, right? Um, but then there have been times I had great service, Man, great service, you know, 15, 20. You know what I mean? Like, you know, man, this person is really on it, man. Took care of me so well. And the tragedy is that those of us who are in the body of Christ will think more of a waiter than we think of God. You, you give 15% just because you don't want the waiter to think bad about you. And then you struggling to give God 10. Amen, lights and walls. And I'm just saying, remember, when you give, it is an act of worship. And the question is, is that worship accurately reflect how you say you feel about God? There are a multiplicity of ways you can give here at Good Hope. Those of you who are streaming can take advantage of this. You can give online. You can also give via check. You can text to give. You can use Givelify. You can use um, PushPay. I think we're moving so you can use Cash App and Zelle and uh, Apple Pay. We make sure you have no excuse, you know. <laughs> Amen. Some of y'all laughing. I'm telling the truth. Make sure you have every opportunity to obey God in giving. All right? Let's worship the Lord in giving.
Amen. Uh, let's hear our audio announcements and then we're prepared to worship the Lord at the Lord's Supper table. We are gearing up for the 2020 season of Upward Basketball and Cheerleading for boys and girls ages 4 to 12. Uh, to the beach, y'all. Let's go. Uh, all around the world. Y'all know this is so, so dead. The cost is $45 per child, and financial assistance is available. For more information and to get your child involved, check out the Good Hope app or visit goodhope.org today. Register now for Good Hope's 2020 seven-day Western Mediterranean Church Cruise, sailing July 17th through 27th. For more information, please contact Heavenly Match Travel Ministry, Mr. Ron and Marie Ward at 713-520-8005 or email heavenlymatched at hotmail.com. Hey, Good Hope. Let's help three of our own collect donations of deodorant, toothpaste, toothbrushes, and baby wipes for homeless teens and young adults. Donations will be accepted each Sunday through November 9th after the 8 and 10 a.m. services in the Center for Hope. All donations will go to the Covenant House. Let's help make their 8th grade project a success. Come and join Discovery every second Sunday of every month. We invite you to join our membership discovery classes. This is an opportunity for you to get to learn about the Good Hope family. We have four classes that we've set up just to make sure you know what part of the family you're becoming a part of. Class shout out. 101, 201, 301, 401. And we invite you to come join us on the second Sunday of every month, and you will be blessed. Hope to see you there. Our new I Am Hope mobile app is live and ready to be downloaded. The app is super easy to use, but we want to quickly cover a couple of cool features. When the app first loads, you'll see a page listing all of our featured events. Scroll and click through them to stay informed of what's going on. Feel free to share these events via your social media platforms, text message, or email. At the bottom of the screen, you'll see a row of icons. Click on Sunday. This will give you everything you need for Sunday morning service live stream, sermon notes, Bible, and our social media platforms. You can even fill out the sermon notes via the app. Let's continue to take hope to the world. Don't forget, for additional events and announcements, download our new interactive I Am Hope mobile app. CDs of all sermons are located in the Center for Hope bookstore for a donation of $5. That about does it for this week's Good News Weekly Announcements. Have a blessed and prosperous week, and remember, good hope, loving God, loving all people, and changing the world. Right, uh, govern yourselves accordingly to the announcements. Let us now prepare to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Uh, Brother Deacons, ushers, if there's someone outside, you can please let them in at this moment.
as we come to the table. This is not an occasion that you just come just as something on your bucket list. You come because of what was done for you. And then also what was asked of you. And so when we come, we come with a grateful heart. Realizing what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. And then this year of 2019, I don't know how many of you realize that we're already in the month of November. That's 307 days. God has woke you up and started you on your way. 307 days. That's enough to be grateful for. But thank God he did a little bit more than that. He sent his only son to die on a cross to forgive you and I for our sins so that when we woke up those 307 days, we were saved by grace. That's enough to shout about right there. So when we come to the table, we come realizing all that God has done for us through Jesus Christ. And you can make it personal and say he did it for me. I'm glad he did it for you, cousin. I'm glad he did it for you, wife. I'm glad he did it for you, brother. But I thank God he did it for me. And so when we come to the table, we come with thanksgiving. Let us pray. God, we come now giving you thanks for the blood of the Lamb, giving you thanks that he gave up his will for your will, giving you thanks that you thought enough of us, that you loved us enough to give us your only begotten son. Now, Lord, we lift this time up to you and we ask for your blessings. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
served that desire to be served. If you were missed, please raise your hand. All right. On the very night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he blessed it. And he said, take, eat. This is my body. Let us eat together. And then he took the cup and he blessed it and said that this represents the blood that would be shed for the remission of sins. In other words, he was taking care of all of us. And he said, drink this in remembrance of me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you hung, bled, and died. We thank you that the grave couldn't hold you and you got up. We thank you that you got up with all power in your hand. We thank you that all is right with you. Thank you that we can bring our anger to you. Thank you that you can take care of it for us. Thank you for loving us. Oh, we bless your name right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you have children in Children's Church, you can go ahead on and uh, step out. 
if you have children in children's church, if you have cheering in cheering church, you can leave. Only if you have cheering in cheering church. Cheerings. You can leave. Amen. All right. more things I want to uh, share with you. We do have midweek Bible study this week at noon and at 7 o'clock. So we're looking to see you uh, this Wednesday at whatever time that you want to come out. And uh, the brothers are having their final breakfast this Saturday morning at 9 o'clock. So we want to see you brothers to get a biscuit and egg. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so come on out and you will be blessed this Saturday at 9 o'clock. All right, man. Look like we got a lot of cheering and cheering too. I'm telling you, Lord, Lord. Amen. Reverend Burroughs, you might have to go inspect. <laughs> no, we, uh, we, we thank God that we do have a children's church. Amen. Yeah, amen. We thank God that you trust us with your children. And we have a very capable director, Dr. Birkins, who loves the children. Yeah. All right. We're giving them a second to ease out. All right. It's time to recognize our guests now. So if you're visiting today with us for the very first time, would you please stand? If this is your first visit, your second or your third visit, please stand. Amen. Please remain standing. All right. Well, we're so glad that you came to visit with us today. We hope that you have been blessed by the singing, by the word, and by the fellowship. And because you're here, we have a special reception for you. And so I'm going to ask that you gather your things, and if someone came with you, they can go with you. And follow these young ladies who are part of our guest relations ministry. They're going to take you to the area for the reception. We have a special gift for you, as well as a token of love coming from the Good Hope Church. God bless you. You're welcome to come back anytime. You're looking good. Glad you came. All right. Yeah, show some love, church. They came and fellowship with us. Some of them got their babies with them. Amen. All right. All right. Now, I know that that was a convicting word today. Go home and pray on it and let the Lord make it work on you. All right. The pastor was doing what God put on his heart, and that's, that's what we need. Amen? Amen? Amen. Thank God for our senior pastor who preaches an uncompromising word. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, if everybody's good, let's stand and be dismissed and receive the benediction. God, we come now to thank you for a chance to hear your word that, that sits in our hearts, Lord. And we pray that whatever issues that we need to work out, Lord, that you show them to us and give, give us the right attitude to deal with them, Lord. And, and to depend on you to handle our anger, to depend on you, Lord, to help us work through it. Thank you 
that you put it on pastor's heart. Thank you that we receive this word today. Now, Lord, I pray for everyone at the sound of my voice that you bless them this week when they rise up early and settle late. Bless them, Lord, as they go out and as they come in. Bless them in their labor and in their leisure until we come together again to the house of prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.